0: as we continue in our series on the church i want us to now take our bibles or apps whatever you read on and we're going to be in acts chapter 17 today now if you're not familiar with where the book of acts is located in the bible here's what i would have you do if you're in a physical bible open up to the very beginning to the table of contents Uh, there you're going to find that the bible's broken up into two main sections the old testament and the new testament acts where we're at today is the fifth book of the new testament so find the new testament five books in is acts go to that page number and flip through until you get to chapter 17. now if you're in an app just pull down the list of the books of the bible you'll find that acts is about two-thirds of the way down that list so again acts chapter 17. now I've told my story many times before, but I think there's a a particular aspect of my testimony, my story of coming to know Jesus, uh, that applies to today's account from the early church. Uh, You see, I got saved in fourth grade. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but in fourth grade, I had a grandmother who was godly, loved the Lord, and sent me to a church camp. Uh, I I came to know Jesus. I believed in him at that church camp, went back home, and there wasn't a lot of follow-up because we simply didn't attend. In church then in a seventh or eighth grade I had a friend of mine invite me to go to youth group and I loved it I continued to attend church got very involved all through junior high and high school and then towards the end of my high school life I began to question my faith because I was hearing one thing in my biology and physics classes at school but I was hearing a different thing at church As a matter of fact, I was being taught in church that I could not trust what science taught. I could not believe what the intellectuals of the world were saying about science. Well, any reasoning person would more than likely lean towards science, especially if they're not a believer. So in that moment, I was questioning my faith. I graduated high school, went off to college, and decided to abandon, to turn away from my faith because of these intellectual questions that I had. So through the first few years of college, I majored in biology and I did an emphasis in evolutionary study so that I could go on and be an evolutionary researcher or zoologist. But about three years into that deep study of evolution and its beliefs and theories, I began to realize that the theory of evolution actually posed more problems and had more inconsistencies than what I was beginning to learn that the Bible actually taught about these things. You see, I began to see that what I had been taught in church was not actually what this book taught. What I was being taught in church was a paranoia about science. But Please hear me, if God is the creator of the universe, then science isn't opposed to God. Science confirms God. It confirms what God has done. But I experienced in my church in high school an anti-science sentiment amongst the people. Uh, Even leaders and teachers were teaching this anti-science rhetoric, quite frankly, But as I studied deeply and I began to study what God's word actually said about science and creation and physics and all of these different things, I began to realize that this book did actually have the answers that I was looking for. And so long story short, I turned my back um, on majoring in biology. I uh, felt a call to ministry and today, I'm a pastor at a church and I still study uh, the sciences, physics, quantum physics, evolution and biology, zoology. I still study those quite a bit today because I recognize, and I think today's passage, uh, today's account from the early church will help us recognize that God calls us to use our minds for him. And today's account is going to make that abundantly clear. So let's take our Bibles or our apps and turn to Acts 17. We're going to begin in verse one, Acts 17, verse one. If you're just now catching up with us and you haven't heard some of the earlier uh, sermons that that we've been going through this book of Acts with, uh, let me explain. Paul and some of his followers, it's more than likely at least Paul and Silas and Luke, And so Paul and Silas and Luke, uh, and probably more, are traveling around the Greek and Roman world and and telling people about Jesus and what Jesus has done for them. Uh, Now, catch up with me in chapter 17, verse 1, understanding that Paul and his companions are traveling around telling people about Jesus. Chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews there. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. And so Paul has come to this place in Thessalonica uh, where he has uh, experience, he's gone to a synagogue and for three weeks during the Sabbath day, he has been proclaiming Jesus. But I want you to notice the verbs that are used here in this passage. Look with me again, starting in verse two. So he has gone to the synagogue and look at what it says, verse two. And Paul went in as was his custom and on three Sabbath days, what does it say here? He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying that this Jesus whom I proclaim, To you is the Christ. Do you see the the verbiage that's used here in this passage? You see, the the words that are used uh, are reason. He reasoned with them, he explained, he proved, he proclaimed, and persuaded. I don't want us to miss the importance of what Paul is doing here. He is using his mind, his intellect to persuade people, to convince people that Jesus is the way, that Jesus brings us rescue from our sins and Jesus is the only way to have eternal life. And that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that summarizes the main drive of that week's message. And today's big idea is this, love the Lord with all your mind you may if you grew up in church or you've been a christian for some time you've probably heard a variation of this from the bible this is a portion of what jesus said was the first and greatest commandment you see in matthew 22 jesus is approached by a lawyer and this lawyer asks him teacher what is the greatest commandment in all of scripture And so Jesus points back to Deuteronomy 6, where it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And guys, I want to emphasize that third love. We are called to love the Lord with all of our mind. That this loving the Lord with all of our mind uh, is, I think, primarily displayed and emphasized in two aspects. We need to love the Lord our God with the way we receive God's word or the gospel of Jesus, but we also need to love the Lord our God with all of our mind with the way we share God's word and his gospel. You see, there is an intellectual aspect. There is a mindfulness that we need to be aware of as followers of Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Continue with me in, the, in today's passage. Pick up with me in verse 10. So we're in Acts 17, verse 10. What has happened uh, is they've been in Thessalonica and they have had to leave that city because of some threats that are being made against them. And, and so... Um, Pick up with me in verse 10. It says, "'The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas "'away by night to a place called Berea. "'And when they arrived, "'they went into the Jewish synagogue. "'Now these Jews, the Jews of Berea, "'were more noble than those in Thessalonica. "'They received the word with all eagerness, "'examining the scriptures daily "'to see if these things were so.'" Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So look at what's taking place. These followers of God, these Jewish people, Jewish converts and Jewish people alike are in the city of Berea. And Paul goes to the synagogue and begins telling them about Jesus, reasoning with them. And the passage says that these people examined the scriptures to confirm or deny the truthfulness of what Paul was teaching them, what Paul was saying. So I wanna point out a few things about what is said about the Bereans and what they do. First off, it says very clearly that the Bereans were more noble than the people of Thessalonica. But why were they more noble? Well, it explains later in the passage that they were more noble because they received the word with eagerness and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things that Paul was saying was saying were true. So, the Bereans were considered more noble because they were humble enough to recognize that what they believed and what they saw in Scripture may not be They may not have understood it perfectly. They recognized that their understanding, their interpretation of this book was probably incomplete. In other words, they recognized that God is all knowing and we are not. And they were humble enough to recognize that maybe there were truths that they still had to learn. So they recognized, they approached God's word and everything that they heard, they approached it with humility and recognized that they needed to examine the scriptures to confirm the, the validity of what they were being taught. They understood what Romans 12 verses 2 through 3 instructs of us. Let me read that passage. This is Romans 12, 2 through 3. It says, "'Do not be conformed to this world.'" You see, we are called in Romans 12, two, and three to be continually transformed. And how are we being transformed? We're being transformed by our minds being renewed. You see, the Bereans recognized that their minds were not complete. Their knowledge was not complete They recognized that they were mere humans and that they needed the mind of God. They needed the knowledge and the wisdom of God. And that as humans, as finite beings, they would never fully comprehend all of God's truth. And so they recognized in humility that they were needing to be constantly transformed by his word. You see, every time you pick up God's word and you examine what it says, it is transformative in your life, but it can only be transformative if you are humble enough to recognize that God wants to transform you. So a couple other things that I wanna point out here. They are humble enough to recognize that they don't know it all. And so they are being transformed. They're noble in doing that. It says also that they received the word with all eagerness. You see, they were excited and looking forward to learning more. They were excited at being challenged, having their own opinions and viewpoints be challenged so that they could grow in their faith. It also says that they examined the scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul was saying were true. But I I wanna point something out here. This is important. I've always been taught that Bereans were these people that would go home and they would study their scriptures deeply and, and in order to know better. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's false. You see, back in this day and age, People did not have books. They didn't have Bibles at their home. When it says that they examined the scriptures daily, it means that they got together as a Christ community, as a God-following community, and they studied and examined the scriptures together, communally. You see, they are coming together, not individualistically, They're coming together as a people of God. You see, we're called, yes, read your Bible, memorize scripture, that is biblical, but there is a very important aspect to our faith that has to be communal. It has to be the community of God studying scripture together. Uh, If you go and study history, the history of the church, the greatest and most horrific heresies, false teachings that that people have come up with came out of usually an isolated study of God's word. We need to be cautious about thinking that we can live our faith out in isolation. We cannot, we're designed by God to be in community together, to grow in our faith as a community together. But I also want you to see here that the Bible very clearly says here that these Berean followers study the scriptures, they study them together, and they did so daily. They're communing, they're gathering, and they're talking about God's word on a daily basis. And guys, I got to be honest with you, in today's culture, most Christians don't even attend church on a weekly basis let alone multiple times through the week. And I don't mean that to condemn, please hear me. But we are called to gather together regularly. And so please hear me. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not gathering together with a body of believers on a regular basis, I encourage you to find a way to do that. And please hear me. I recognize that I'm talking to an online audience right now. And if you don't have a group of believers to connect with, a group of believers to to study God's word together with, we have some online opportunities for you. And I want you to go to that uh, virtual connect card, go to the website, to the contact us page, and reach out to us. Because you, as a follower of Jesus, need to be connected to a greater community. It's not enough to just watch me here online. You need to be connected at a deeper level in a community. So please, if you're not connected to a community of believers, reach out to us. We would love to get you connected to one of our virtual groups, or if you're ready for an in-person group, we would love to figure out how to get one where you're at. So please, Don't hesitate. Right now, click that link, go to that website to the Contact Us page and reach out to us. Get connected. But let me talk to another person that may be watching or listening right now. Maybe you're watching right now and maybe you don't even believe in Jesus. Maybe you're not even at that point yet. But maybe this idea of a community that you could live life together with, that you could experience and grow in, that is all tied to Jesus saving you, rescuing you from your sins because he died on a cross and three days later rose from the grave, proving that he was and is the son of God, having defeated, uh, having victory over sin and death. Maybe that sounds appealing and maybe you've got some questions. Please, if that is you, I want you also to click on that virtual connect card, that online connect card. Go to the website, to the contact us page. Please go there right now. And I want you to fill that out so that we can answer any of the questions you may have about Jesus. But, but, but reach out to us. Give us the opportunity to share who Jesus is, to answer questions. And if you're ready to get you connected into a community, into family, that Jesus has designed you to be a part of. So these Berean followers are following Jesus. They're doing so by being excited to study God's word and gathering together daily to examine and study and talk about God's word and talk about God. You see, they loved the Lord with all their mind. They engaged their intellect for the glory of God, for his purpose and for their growth. Your mind is an integral part of your faith. And please hear me on this. Emotions are important. God gave them to us for a reason. Opinions, there's place for opinions and and viewpoints. But hear me clearly If your feelings or your opinions or viewpoints contradict this book, your feelings or opinions or viewpoints are wrong. This book is the foundation. It is the standard by which we believe. And so your opinions, your viewpoints, your feelings are all valuable, but they must be examined through the lens of this book. They must be weighed Your feelings and opinions must be weighed to make sure that they are biblical feelings and opinions. Think about what the Bereans did. They were continually examining God's word to confirm what Paul said to them. We as followers of Jesus must continually seek God's word to confirm whether our feelings and opinions and viewpoints are biblical. And if they're not, again, just like Romans 12, 2, and 3 say, we must allow this book to transform our minds so that our feelings and opinions and viewpoints are no longer unbiblical, but are in line with God and his word. So the Bereans loved the Lord with all their mind. Now, Uh, Towards the end of this section, we find out that in Berea, Paul gets threatened. Uh, Some Jewish people create an uprising and Paul's life is on the line. And so Paul is sent on and he ends up in the city of Athens. Pick up with me in verse 16. So chapter 17, verse 16. So Paul has gone by himself to the city of Athens. Uh, his other companions have stayed behind to kind of tie up the loose ends and they're gonna join him later. But look at what happens in verse 16. He's in the city of Athens and it says, now while, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked or, or angered, upset within him as he saw the city was full of idols. Verse 17, so he reasoned, in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. And so Paul is going out. He's arrived in the city of Athens and around him, he is surrounded. Everywhere he turns, he sees idols that people are worshiping and it stirs him up. It upsets him. He's troubled by all of the idolatry, all the false worship that he is seeing in this city of Athens. And, And let me be very clear. We all have idols in our lives. We do. We have things, ideas, values, opinions, possessions that are in competition to our devotion to Jesus. We all have something or some things Tony Merida, uh, Merida uh, who is a, a theologian in our, our denomination, says this, idols can take the form of the need for peer approval or the relentless pursuit of success and money or the drive for sex, pleasure, or food, all-consuming allegiance to a sports team, to the pursuit of education, or maybe even show an obsession with an individual. There are so many ways that idolatry can form in our lives. I would even go a step further and say, even our devotion to our country or our patriotism can morph, can can be shifted, can grow into a form of idolatry. You see, if we are willing to compromise our obedience to Jesus because of our politics or our patriotism or our party affiliation, then that is an idol. You see, our politics or our patriotism is not supposed to influence our faith. It's the other way around. Our faith should be influenced and speaking into our political beliefs and our politics, so we cannot allow any of these things, whether it's possessions or peer approval or success or, or you know, seeking pleasure or patriotism, we can never allow any of these to be a competition to Jesus in our lives. Jesus must always be the number one. He must always be the unequivocal devotion. In our lives. So we need Jesus, not these lying idols that tend to distract us from Jesus. So Paul sees all of these idols. What does he do in response? Well, it says that he went and he reasoned both with the the Jewish followers and the synagogues, but also with the philosophers that were found in Athens. You see, Athens was this philosophical center of Greek society back in that day and time. There were people in Athens that spent all day, every day, just talking about ideas, talking philosophy, And so he went to these people and he reasoned with them. Now, when he went to the marketplace and to the philosophical centers and began talking with these, we must understand that he is talking to people who have zero biblical background. These are people who have never even heard of the God of the Israelites. And so he gives a speech in verses 22 through 31 of chapter 17. Now, most scholars, almost every scholar, biblical scholar believes that this is not the actual speech. It's kind of like the big ideas that I give. It's the big ideas of his speech. It's a summary or, or bullet points of his speech because most of the speeches that were given in these philosophical centers lasted for at least two hours. And so Paul probably gave this very long, uh, very rhetorical, you know, v- hypothetical, and philosophical theological speech to the people that are there. And he starts with talking about creation and God's act of creation. And then from there, he moves through the entire arc of scripture. He, he explains all of the Old Testament and, and ends by talking about the story of redemption that comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus. And and I want you to recognize that this is done through an intellectual reasoning standpoint. He is using his mind and his intellect to reason and testify and convince people that Jesus is the only way. Paul loved the Lord with all his mind. Now, I want to take one last look here. Look at their response. Look with me in verse 32. So Acts 17, verse 32, Paul has just finished his very eloquent, very long speech. And now it says this, this is the response. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed among whom also were Dionysus and the Arapagite, uh, the Arapagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. You see, he went out and some mocked what he had to say, despite his reasoning and the use of his intellect. Some of them mocked him because the things that he taught did not make sense to them. But some believed. Some became followers of Jesus because Paul took the time to sit and reason with the people of this city. So let me ask you this. How do you love the Lord with all your mind? Or do you struggle with this particular area in your life? So let's talk briefly about this. How can we love the Lord with all of our mind. How can we like the Bereans and like Paul use our intellect for God's purposes? I I wanna just give you some quick points, some quick ideas, some quick things for you to think about in order to start using your mind more for God's glory. So the first one is study God's word both individually, both as a person and within a community context. Again, if you're looking, if you need a community to study God's word with, to live life together with, please reach out to us. Go to the website, click on that virtual connect card in the post of this video. Please reach out to us and we would love to get you connected. But love the Lord your God with all your mind by studying his word, both individually and in a community. Secondly, submit to his word and what it says, even if you don't like what it says. Guys, God's word will always challenge us. If we are truly gospel focused and we are studying God's word with humility, allowing God to transform our minds by the renewal of our minds, then God's word will challenge us. It will push us out of our comfort zone and we're not going to like that many times. But if we claim to love the Lord with our minds, then that means we must humbly submit to what God's word says. Third, understand the reasoning and intellectual arguments of this world. We need to understand where people are coming from. We need to know what their reasoning is so that we can begin from that standpoint with them. That's what Paul did with the people of Athens. He, he talked about how there was this idol of the unknown God. Please read this chapter after, after this. But, but Paul took the time to say, I see that you worship all these idols and there's this idol of the unknown God over here. Let me explain who he is. He understood where they were coming from and started reasoning with them from that starting point because he understood how they think and what they were starting with. So understand the reasoning and intellectual arguments of this world. And lastly, and I know this is gonna be controversial, but hear me out, don't buy into lies and conspiracies. And you go, whoa, 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 what about, stop. Let me explain what God's word says about this. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 22 and 20 through 24. It says this, "So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart." And listen to this part, "Have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies because you know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but instead kind to everyone able to teach and patiently enduring evil. Guys, we live in a world that is consumed by lies and misinformation And we, as the people of God, are called to be people of truth. And please, if you want to pick my brain about what I mean by this, don't jump to conclusions about what I'm implicating. I'm just saying, don't buy into lies and don't buy into controversies until you can conclusively confirm their truth. And if you want to talk about this, please reach out to me. Fill out that Connect card on our website, on the Contact Us page. I would be ecstatic to call you on the phone or meet with you in person and talk about what I mean. But please, 2 Timothy 2 tells us that we're not supposed to be quarrelsome because of controversies and lies, but instead we're called to be righteous, full of faith, love, and peace through a pure heart. That's our calling. And so please, please, Use your mind, love the Lord with all your mind. And so what do you need to do to love Jesus with all your mind, both in how you receive the gospel and God's word and how you share the gospel and God's word? Let's go to the Lord and ask him for help in this area. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we pray today that you would help us to love you with all of our minds. Help us to not be lazy in our education, in our understanding uh, of your scripture and in understanding where people are at in the world around us who do not believe in you so that we can reason the way the Bereans and the way Paul reasoned, that we could understand through humility, recognizing that we don't know it all, we don't have it all together, And according to Romans 12, we need to humbly allow you to transform us by continually renewing our minds through your word. And then Lord, help us to take that transformation and share your word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus with those around us, reasoning with them through our intellect. We thank you, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to love you the way you call us to, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.